Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. Am I a bad parent? Really? Am I a bad parent? Our, uh, our first grader came home from school today. She said a, uh, a boy punched her on the playground. The boxer. And I said, what happened? And she said, well, I guess you learned a lesson. I said, you hit him back? She said, you don't hit a boxer. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I'm okay with you hitting someone back. Don't let someone hit you. And don't just stand there. Am I a bad dad? Am I a bad parent for saying to my kid, it's okay if if you need to defend yourself, throw a punch back? No, you're good. You're good, man. Think the school is going to call me? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Oh, well. I might be a bad parent. Mike Yam, NFL Network. Am I a bad oh, parent? <laughs> no, you're not a bad parent. I would tell you this. First of all, you're going to get a call uh, because you're on radio. You, you're, you have a very popular show. You know there are other parents probably in your daughter's class that are listening yeah. to you condoning this. Here's what I would say, though. You have a young daughter. So yep. to say that she should stand up for herself, like to me, like that's that's what your duty as a dad is. So I'd say good parent there, hundred percent. She's not instigating; she's defending, and therefore it's okay. That's what I told her. I said, you, somebody takes a shot at you, you have my permission to swing back. Don't hit first, yeah. John. But... I, I'm also not a parent, so like I should be the last person offering. <laughs> no, I'll just be like, <laughs> I'll just be like Mike Yam said it was okay. Answer with that. Yeah. Did you ever have a situation like that in school or anything? Or did anybody take a shot at Mike Yam, or was it pretty peaceful? No, it was, man, I got to tell you, like, I was kind of friends with everyone. Like, I actually dig back to my high school days and, like, you Mm -hmm. know, the different camps, you know, the jocks and the nerds and the whole, like, I got along with everyone, man. I was pretty fortunate. Um, Yeah, so... I, I wish I could, I wish I had this great story to tell you where like yeah. you know I I took you know, I was you know David and took down Goliath which really would would it would have been like for me yeah. uh, we've met in person so you obviously know like I'm not you know I'm not ready to be a linebacker out there so uh, <laughs> definitely a different vibe for me so, I'm still gonna there's, say there's a reason why I'm a pacifist so. yeah if anybody asks me I'm gonna say but Mike Yam he's on the he's an NFL Network anchor he's he hosts a show on Sirius XM he said it was okay he went to Fordham he's a smart guy. He knows. <laughs> and they're going to say who? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what'd you think of the Amazon broadcast? Uh, I, you know, it was on it was on NFL Network as well. After, yeah. uh, what'd you think of it? You know, what's sort of interesting. I guess I lucked out, John, because I know that there was a lot of reaction about you know poor picture quality and shoddy audio. And normally, my Wi-Fi in my place is like not great. So I was a little concerned about it. I thought the picture quality was great. I thought some of the camera angles that they captured was really strong. Uh, I didn't have any audio issues there. So I actually liked it. I'm still, I don't know, and I, I saw you uh, tweet about this, and I saw some of the reactions, which, by the way, some of your listeners, man, and the people who follow you on Twitter, they're funny. 
like some of those comments. I, <laughs> yeah. And I, sometimes, and you probably have one or two people that have gotten the double tap from me, and then I realize that I can't do that, and I take it back because I don't <laughs> want people thinking like, I'm like, why did I just do that? You, you know, just sort of like yeah. to think before you do. Um, but you definitely have some funny people and you have some funny responses. I'm still trying to get used to Herb Street on yeah. on the NFL. I, I heard it, obviously, in the preseason. I watched it last night. Um, Michaels, I you know someone was talking about his age. He still sounds big time to me on a game. So I actually yes. thought that there was a lot of positives. I'm a big fan of Richard Sherman, too, on the pregame. I think he by far, and I don't think it's all that. Well, Whitworth's actually pretty good, too. But I think Sherman is sort of the headliner on the uh, the pre-half and post stuff. Yeah, I loved the broadcast. I loved that it was different. I, I was excited to see it. Yeah. I was excited to watch the game. And you know what? It really wasn't that much about the game, even though it was a really good game. I, I felt like it was uh, – I was there to see the broadcast. And I felt like the colors were – the hues and the tones were a little off. But it made me think, like, maybe they're going for a gamer crowd. It, it was like a video game almost. Totally. Did you, you know, and I will say this to their graphics package, and this is probably getting into the weeds for non-TV people, but, you know, what you see graphically with the score bug and, and those types of things like that, that stuff is really well thought out. And I actually liked the look of the their coverage, one. Um, and I, you know, do you, I don't know, on Monday Night Football, John, I don't know if you're the dude who watches like the Manning stuff. I, I'm probably the only person in the country that hasn't really watched it. I've seen like the excerpts and the guests that they get. I like the traditional broadcast, but the next gen stuff, I've heard good things about that. I'm a big next gen stats guy. We use a lot of that stuff in NFL Network, so I have an appreciation for it. The, the, um, what's the other, that other group, they did like a little pregame tease. And I, you know, uh, the dude perfect guys. I didn't yes. – the tease that they did in pregame almost got me willing to go and watch it during the game. And I'm not necessarily that dude. I was sort of impressed, though, by, by at least that quick little promo they did. I said, oh, damn, okay. Like, I saw – I thought it was like a press release thing when they signed them, and then I watched not really knowing full well what they do. And I said, oh, that's kind of entertaining. So I will I, – I'm with you, John. I'll give them credit for trying to do some things differently. Last night uh, on the game, uh, you've got Al Michaels, you got Herbie. You'd mentioned the dynamic there, but uh, you had Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes on the field. And it, oh, yeah. it, Herbert, to me, in year three now, is looking like a guy that I, I think we all know he's going to have a long, productive career. What is the ceiling for him as a starter in this league? The ceiling is the best quarterback in the NFL. I, I think we're almost trending in that direction now. It, it's a little bit maybe of a leap just because of the success Burroughs had early. Mahomes isn't that much earlier. He's not going anywhere. And in that division, I, I mean, think about what we're going to be treated to over the next few years in the AFC West. But I think what's sort of fascinating is Justin and his popularity. You know, John, yeah, I know you got to know him a little bit when he was in Eugene. This is a guy, you know, I'm seeing him do commercials and I'm watching the broadcast and I'm like, can you imagine Mark Helfrich is watching, watching these commercials and he's smiling somewhere. Cause the old story was during practice, Helfrich used to have to tell Justin, he had to say something to someone after every single play 
during practice because he's he was sort of that quiet kid. And you even heard some of the coverage and some of the things that people were discussing during the broadcast about, you know, quiet leadership and, and leading by by example. I was actually down in Costa Mesa a couple weeks ago for training camp with those guys and I talked to Austin Eckler specifically about Justin and he was like, No, no, he's He's becoming a little bit more vocal, and he's more comfortable in the huddle. And you can see people, you know, sort of, you know, following him. I, I think his leadership is on full display. It's different, and it's probably really similar to what he was doing um, at Oregon. And I think it's resonating with his teammates. But the skill set, are you kidding me? Some of the dimes that this guy throws out there, statistically speaking, I think it's now – I'm probably off by a couple games here, but I think it's 15 games – out of the 33 that he's played in, he's thrown at least three touchdowns. I mean, that is sort of like a mind-boggling stat when you when you step back and you think about the other players that have done that. I mean, the list is pretty pretty significant. In week two, who needs to prove something to you? Like, where does your mind go when I say that? Like, you know, there, who? Like, which game? Like, you can only watch one game. Somebody needs to show you, you know, that they're real or they belong in the conversation. Uh, who's that team? Um, well, there's a few games in week two that I, I'm actually pretty excited to see. I would tell you from a prove-it standpoint, were we, like, every football fan not disappointed in week one watching the Rams? Like, I get it. The Bills are really good, and we know that. And if there's a short list of teams that you'd say, oh, yeah, like, they're going to be in the Super Bowl, you know, we'd feel comfortable slotting them into one of those spots. But for the Rams, for the offensive line to look the way that they did – I know Matthew Stafford could be streaky, some of those picks. Like, I, like we love the Mahomes sidearm throws. Like, the Matthew Stafford no-look passes are really cool when he executes them. But, my God, when he throws a pick on one of them, you go, ooh, like that's one you, you want to take back. I, I thought the Rams looked shaky in week number one. Now, granted, they, they get a Falcons team that, who, by the way, I thought looks better than anticipated and, and figured out a way to lose their game in week number one. But the Rams, to me, probably have the most to prove. I, I think the Broncos and what we saw from uh, Russell Wilson, I think they're probably on that short list as well because uh, there's no guarantees, even if they gave it to Russell and, and not kicked the field goal, that, that they win that game. So, um, you know, I, I think those are two teams that are prove it, prove it to me in week number two. Mike Yam with us, NFL Network. The Niners and Trey Lance. I left week one going, oh, gosh, is it not going to Yeah. Is it not going to happen? And But I, I want to kind of, look at them a little bit if they don't get a result here against the Seahawks in week two which that's always been a tough matchup for them they're at home Niners at home I I, I kind of wonder at what point we'll start hearing some Jimmy G talk how much room does yeah. Lance have here oh man I think this is what every Niners fan was thinking when they decided to bring Jimmy back because we all knew that this conversation was going to take place, we brought it up. Does Jimmy, if Trey struggles out of the gate, I'm willing, and I think most fans, to be fair, John, have to give them, and I know people are going to be like, yeah, what are you talking about? But, like, you do have to give them a mulligan in week one. Like, those conditions to me are so unique and so different. And for any fan who didn't watch the game, I mean, it was ridiculously wet. You know, um, you probably, because you obviously have young kids, John, and you're, yep. you know, dad of the year, which we established at the top of the segment. Right on. You have, yeah. and maybe it's, maybe we're too old now for this, but remember like slip inside? Yes. Do, do the kids still do that in the backyard? Is that still a thing? Uh, they, yeah, they do. They don't call it a slip inside though. Okay. Any kind of, any kind of plastic and you put water on it on the grass is good to go. 
Oh yeah. That's what yeah. it looked like. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, you know, it was, his, it was. Stat, his numbers were terrible, but I go, eh, so was the field. Yeah. And, and no George Kittle. And, and I don't think George and as you know, I could kind of like knife through my emails real quick and sort of see this injury report. Uh, he's questionable still dealing with that grind injury. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, we don't know if Kittle's going to be out there for this matchup. Look, Gino, really good first half. Like Seattle, kudos to that squad having to listen the entire offseason about Russell Wilson and the whole thing. For them to win that game, great. I got to tell you, if, if Seattle figures out a way to beat the Niners, I would be surprised. Like, you know, to your point, I, I think the growing where's Jimmy, where's Jimmy becomes a real thing. I was actually in the Bay Area twice for practice. Uh, to watch that team. Jimmy was not on the team at that point, was still practicing and rehabbing. John, it was, it's a cool scene. They, they open up their practice for the fans, and they have their bleachers that are there. Jimmy's throwing on the field behind the bleachers. So, like, when you're sitting there, you're, you know, you're a fan. You're in the bleachers. You're watching the entire team in front of you on the field. There were a, there's a large majority of fans who are not watching the team practice, turning around, turning their back to the team and the field, to watch Jimmy G, who got a standing ovation, by the way, the first time he came out there uh, in front of those fans, just throw 20, 30-yard passes. Like, to me, like, he's he's ridiculously popular. So maybe if they lose this game, we start having a little bit more of that conversation because it's not going to get easier. Like, in week three, it's a road game against Denver. You know, so, like, winning on the road. And it's, it's the Rams after that. So, you know, at some point, Trey, Trey's got to show up and he's got a ball. NFL Network anchor Mike Yam is with us, also hosts a show on Sirius XM. Uh, you've written a book, too, Fried Rice and Marinara. I love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that, man. That's uh, a kid's book, yeah? It is a kid's book. Um, actually, it was put together by a Portland-based company called Books. I think I've even messaged you about them before. And I actually got involved, uh, Lamar Hurd, uh, one of mm. my buddies, and, and certainly a guy that you know really well with the Blazers now. We work together at Pac-12 Network and obviously you know, had some success. Uh, I shouldn't say some. I think he's one of my best friends. He had a ton of success when he was playing at, at Oregon. They'd yell at me if you heard me say that. Um, but Lamar was involved, so I sort of got involved, and, and I pitched them the story, and, and they were awesome about it. Sort of felt like there was a gap in the space, in the children's reading space, for kids who were kind of like me. I'm half Chinese, half Italian, and, um, you know, we're sort of in a day and age where you're seeing multi-ethnic families and um, converging under one household, just like yours, John, so I know you can appreciate what I'm discussing. So just to sort of see yourself in, you know, and I guess this, I shouldn't say just about me, but just for any child to see themselves um, sort of as a main character in a lead role. Like I, I just think there's some value there. So hopefully some people will, uh, will catch on and, and check it out. It's really interesting that you are Chinese and Italian because we, we tell our kids, we say you're Chitalian. That's what you are. <laughs> I even for a I time. We didn't use that one. Yeah. Yeah, for a time, I owned the domain Chitalian.com. I thought it was going to be a big thing. Like, I went out and grabbed it, and I was like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever, and uh, I didn't end up doing anything with it. So I let it go. But it was a good idea. Maybe the two of us can figure something out. It, yeah. it, it, I still think it's a good idea. I just I don't know how to how we can, like, figure some sort of path yeah. of, of monetizing that, but maybe we yeah. can, you know, you're more creative than I am, uh, but I'll lean on you on that one. I know when you go to a museum, like in China, like you go in, you think we have stuff here in the United States that's old, 
and then you go to a museum like in Beijing, and they're like, we invented steel. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we're like, our antique stores have things that are like 30 years old. Does that count? Like it has my old lunch pail there. Like, you know, it's, it's not the same. Like there's real yeah, history yeah. and tradition there. And then there's food in Italy, as you point out in the book. Like, you know, you got your marinara going. Uh, Mike Yam is with yeah. us. Yam, uh, Marcus Mariota in Atlanta. Not a, not a great week one for him. Uh, I'm worried about the guy. I'm worried he's not going to get a fair shake. Is he going to get a fair shake? Uh, I do think he will, only because I don't know if Ritter's totally ready to be the guy right now, and I think there's some value that Marcus can bring to the table. I mean, there are times in the preseason when I was watching Ritter out there, and I'm like, oh, like this is this is like Marcus – 2.0, or I shouldn't say 2.0 because that sounds like it's better, but you can see some similarities in their game, and Ritter was trying to do some things and make some throws that Marcus was making pretty routinely, and I think that's why Arthur Smith said, you know what, he's going to be our guy, and I, I know that wasn't a surprise necessarily to anyone. I, this, this is a team that also doesn't have like a ton of talent out there, and I know we can talk about you know, their tight end, um, and, and obviously Drake London, who, who we're more than familiar with with his time at USC, they don't have a plethora of options that are out there. And by the way, Kyle Pitts, for all the th good things that he's done, and Drake London, what we saw with those five catches, and I think he had like 70-some-odd yards in that debut, I actually thought Marcus played okay, and Atlanta was up in that third quarter. I mean, they were up like 23-10. I was kind of flipping around trying to track as many games as I can. Um, you know, clearly there was a fumble, and then you saw, you know, a, a deep run, and that obviously is what sunk them, and New Orleans was able to figure out their offense. But I'm I, I'm not willing to close the door just yet on, on Atlanta. Like, I, I, I'm kind of – maybe I'm partial because I'm rooting for Marcus a little bit, but and I want to see him do well. But I, I think there's a chance for them to be okay. I don't know if they're a playoff team. I wouldn't go that far, but I think there's some opportunities here for, for him to have at least some, some degree of success. All right. I'm going to throw this question at you that I think a lot of people are asking when it comes to um, the Pac-12 and what we saw last night on Amazon. How does that strike you? You're a guy who worked at the Pac-12 Network. You know the content. Yeah. You know the game. You know the conference. Does it work on Amazon to some extent? Does it work on Amazon as an all-in thing? The Pac-12 could be the first that goes all-in streaming. What are your thoughts on sure, that? Sure. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm sounding like I'm hedging a little bit. If there was a league that would do it, it would be the Pac-12. There's the headlines, there's the Silicon Valley thing that I think Larry Scott was trying to be a champion of that never really sort of panned out. But I do think that there's some opportunities on the West Coast to to be a leader, right, and follow the NFL's lead, follow what Major League Baseball was doing with Apple. Here, here's my concern, though. One of the biggest issues, and John, I know you live it regularly, when you look at exposure and what the national narrative has been about the Pac-12, it hasn't been positive. And to be fair, not winning some big non-conference games has been a, been a real issue. I mean, don't look – got fans in your backyard that saw what happened with, with Oregon and Georgia. Utah losing the way that they did was, was heartbreaking. But the point is, like, the league's got to win some games, right, to get some credibility. I, I also think people need to have access to those games. And, look, if people are complaining about finding an NFL game, and there's been some of that conversation, I would be ridiculously concerned – if I was the back 12 by putting all of my eggs in that basket, I think it's worth exploring for sure because 
you know, there's like that weird delta. It's the cash or is it the exposure? And the league clearly needs both. Um, and, and maybe the cash is more important, I think, at the end of the day than, than maybe the exposure is because, you know, with an expanded playoff now, that maybe some of that gets mitigated to a certain degree. But I would be concerned about going all in exclusively on one of those deals. Um, I still don't think that happens, though, at least in this round. I think you could see some some games, which would be kind of cool um, to sort of, you know, dip your toe, so to speak, into the uh, the shallow end of the pool. But um, I, I would be worried about going all in on that right now. Mikey, I'm you're the best. I'll call you when I need parenting advice, and I appreciate you. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm the last person you should call as a non-parent. I mean, I, I'm like, you know, the uncle who says ice cream and candy for dinner is yeah. okay. So, yeah. you know, if it, I don't know. Nothing I, I'm, wrong with I'm that. a fan favorite, though. There's yeah, nothing wrong with yeah. that. They like seeing me. Yep. So. <laughs> Mike Yam. Hey, NFL enjoy Network. those games this weekend. Will do. Thank you, my friend. There he is, Mike Yam. Uh, when the when the school calls me, I'll just say, hey, Mike Yam said it was okay. Leave it here. You got the BFT statewide. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. We'll talk to an AP Top 25 voter. Pete Martini of the Salem Statesman Journal will be joining us in about 10 minutes. Talk to him about what's going on in his world. He's uh, he's fired up at some parents out there, and I don't blame him. We're talking a lot of parenting on today's show. Um, the six-year-old, is that what she is? Yeah, the six-year-old in our household who's a boxer. Apparently somebody on the playground, some some boy in her class, took, took a shot at her. And... Uh, I said, would you hit him back? And she said, yes. And I said, you have my permission. Am I going to get a call? Stephen and Peter, am I getting your prediction? Do I get a call? And if so, what do I say? Yeah, you get a call just because that seems to be the way that schools are going these days. But you say, look, she she was hit first and, you know, under no excuse or reason is she to start a fight. But if someone's attacking her, she needs, she's expected or enabled to defend herself. So... Yeah, I agree, hundred percent with Peter just said. They they will call you, um, but yeah, you got to just tell them. You know what? She was not the initiator. She was attacked first, and she's gonna step. She's gonna you know stand up for herself. So I agree. I I think she did the right thing. Uh, you know, I had my son. He had a soccer game yesterday. He and he's way bigger than everybody. He knocked a kid down, and the ball went forward. And I yelled at him to keep going. He helped the kid up, and I was like, oh. come on. Don't do that. Just go get the goal. But you know, luckily his teammate got the goal. And I looked at my wife. And I'm like, we gotta get some killer instinct with that guy. Yeah, you know what? He's got a good heart. He does. He's too like nice. That. Too nice. That's okay. That's okay. You can be nice. Be more then... like dad. That's <laughs> I like that. Uh, so here's the other thing. Like you know, I should just tell. I'll tell the principal. We hit back. We don't hit first. Yeah. You know. You know. And and look, the the buzzwords at schools nowadays. Every, you know, everybody wants uh, harmony and inclusion, and everybody. You know, I'll just say, look. You know, as long as we're punching people. We're, you know, if one kid punches, all kid punches. No, that's not how it should be. I, I told her, like, ideally, you know, I want you to defend yourself, but ideally we're not hitting people. But I still don't want you to sit there and let somebody hit you. So she knows. And she said, yeah, that's what you get when you mess with a boxer, which I kind of liked. That's, I laughed at that. That is pretty awesome. That's, yeah. that's a good saying right there. All right. There, that's what she says, too, when she, when she hits her sister. Um, all right, so... Uh, coming up, bottom of the hour here in just a couple of minutes, we'll get to uh, Pete Martini of the Salem Statesman Journal. I want to ask him about his 
ballot, top 25, AP top 25. We see it every week. It holds a lot of clout, a lot of weight. First of all, questions for Pete. Uh, first of all, I want to know what Oregon and Oregon State have to do to stay on his ballot. I think he had the Beavers at 25. Is it enough for them just to beat Montana State? Do they stay on the ballot, or do they have to do it in a certain way? Uh, second thing, which fan base in the top 25 is the worst to deal with? Some of these fan bases lobby these voters nonstop. Do you guys have a prediction on what Pete might say when it comes to bad fans and fans that harass the voters? Oh, that's it's got to be something in the SEC, I would guess. Um, I'll say Big 12. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Big 12 can be a little obnoxious. I'm just looking at the top 25, and I'm trying to figure out. I don't know what he's going to say, which I think is going to be fantastic. I feel like, like it's like a Mississippi State or something. Okay. Something like Peter, that. Like, you got a prediction? Never get it, never, never I'm staying in the Pac-12. I'm saying USC fan. Uh, They're delusional. I think I think it's going to be BYU, or I think it's going to be, let's say, uh, Oklahoma State. I'll go with a Big 12 and a soon-to-be Big 12. Pete Martini coming up. Leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.